Hello, bums. Welcome back to Struggling with the Bums. Uh, this will be part two in our Star Wars series. And once again, unfortunately, Daniel's not with us, so it'll just be Bryce and myself. But we probably will have a guest or two for the part three and four, if not definitely for part four, which will cover a lot of the TV shows. So today we're going to talk probably more of my favorite of the Star Wars universe, the original trilogies, uh, the original trilogy, uh, which would be Star Wars or as it was later titled, Star Wars New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. Um, it's kind of crazy to think, as Bryce and I were doing a little research beforehand, like the original Star Wars was just kind of like this sci-fi film that George Lucas kind of was like, you know, fuck it, like, let's do it. And he wasn't really sure it was going to be that successful. And all of a sudden, it just blew up. And essentially, on about an $11 million budget, it grossed, uh, was it 600 million? No, $775 million, which equivalent would be like spending 50 million in today's cash to make three and a half billion dollars. So that's kind of a big deal. And adjusted for inflation, it is like top five highest grossing films in North America. So really big deal. Um, Bryce, or actually I'll, I'll introduce a new hope. Um, but I just want to get your thoughts on the original trilogy first, though. Dude, so seeing it after, I think as a kid, like, a, I couldn't conceptualize that he made the series, like, out of order. Like, that was really hard for me to understand. And then I was, like, I was very confused in watching it when they would talk about characters. And I'd be like, why do they make it seem like no one's ever heard of these people? Like, it was just very, like, I saw this at such a young age. I was like. 10 maybe or like nine I was having a hard time like conceptualized like these were made back in like the 70s to 80s and it wasn't until years later that I learned like George Lucas was again you know, as we, you already mentioned you know making this stuff up on the fly so it was like it was very confusing to me at the beginning and then I was like bro where the where the like it's like there's no Jedi left <laughs> Like I knew they cleaned out the temple, but I was like, "Holy cow!" There's two of them. That was ridiculous. So yeah, I think that was like my initial thoughts. I was like, "Holy cow!" The world of Star Wars has gone to crap. Where are all the where are all the clones? Oh wait, they're they bad guys. stormtroopers. Stormtroopers who can't shoot. But yeah, go ahead with the the summary. All right. So yeah. So it starts off once again, as we mentioned in the previous episode. Starts off with. Princess Leia running away from Darth Vader's ship. And once again, you get the ship over a planet view, and then they end up boarding. Really, I mean, truly a, I think, iconic scene, considering this is the first Star Wars movie at the time in 1977, when, right, the rebels are getting ready to be boarded, and boom, the door gets blown open. In come the stormtroopers, the first few kind of die out, and then they kill a lot of the rebels, and the rebels have to run away. And then in comes this tall ass, asthmatic looking dark figure, Darth Vader. I mean, just truly fantastic, iconic scene comes in. Um, anyways, they end up capturing Princess Leia, but not before she sends away the Death Star plans um, away on R2D2 and C3PO to Tantooine. Once again, we return to Tatooine and which those robots were found by the Jawas and eventually bought by the Skywalker family or yeah, the Skywalkers on Tatooine. Um, and so 
And meanwhile, she gets taken to the actual Death Star to be interrogated to figure out where the Death Star plans were. And the Empire was trying to figure out, hey, where's also the Rebel base? Um, so that's kind of going on. And, you know, Luke ends up with these robots and he ends up getting saved by old man Kenobi, or as they were known, Ben Kenobi, um, who's this hermit that lives in the desert. They didn't know it was the goat. Uh, Obi-Wan um, and so he comes in saves him from the Tusken Raiders and then kind of teaches him a little bit of history and finds the video of Princess Leia once again iconic you know help me Obi-Wan Kenobi you're my only hope asking for assistance and kind of setting them on a journey to go try and find and save her and it's at this point that you know Obi-Wan essentially tells him how he knows Luke's father how they fought together in the Clone Wars you know, all that cool stuff that essentially gets solidified later on, many, many years later. Um, and so then they go off to save her. They meet Han Solo and Chewbacca. They fly the Millennium Falcon towards the Death Star, to Alderaan first. Alderaan ends up getting blown to pieces by uh, the Death Star, RIP. And um, yeah, they end up at the Death Star to try and save Princess Leia. Crazy adventure. They're hanging out, running through the halls of the Death Star. They end up dressing as stormtroopers themselves, save her, get away. Obi-Wan fights Darth Vader one more time, essentially surrenders, give himself up, becomes one of the Force. They leave and they make the Yavin 4, the real rebel base, and then they have to go try to blow up the Death Star with the Death Star plans. Um, it's kind of a suicide mission, low-key, and Han Solo's like, nah, I got my cash, I'm out. And but he eventually comes back to save the day and Luke ends up blowing up the Death Star, which much like his father, his kill count rose very high at a young age. <laughs> and uh, they come back, they get some medals. It's all good. <laughs> um, and that's the end of the first movie. Bryce, what are your thoughts, my guy? Dude, New Hope is so iconic, man. It's like, you know, you... Like you said, those stormtroopers come in, and you're just like, holy cow, this is crazy. Because, like, I don't know. I always look at it from the lens of coming from the prequels. So it's like, holy cow, I'm used to seeing the guys in white as the good guys, and now they're not. And now the guys with all the, the ships are, like, invading the little freighters, and it was like, oh, it's just so weird. Like, Because it was human-on-robot fighting, typically, and now it's, like, human-on-human but yeah, Dark Vader, I'm just like, wow, Anakin Skywalker is falling off. This is crazy. Ah, man, it's just like, holy cow. Actually, I'll say this. I don't think I appreciate it as much, as much until I saw Rogue One. The ending of Rogue One makes me appreciate that scene so much more. I'm just like, oh, it was like that. Okay. I don't think it always sets. I think the older ones don't always do the best job of setting how dire things are in certain situations it's a little more lighthearted than i would personally but moving forward you know i think luke living in tatooine is just an, so funny that you know obviously anakin lives in tatooine luke lives in tatooine now it's like weird how similar they really are in a lot of ways and they both like want to get out of there and like kind of see things and then you know, funny enough, he really just runs into Han Solo. You know, who shot first? Everyone knows Han shot first because Han's that guy. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and I think the arm getting cut off and Tatooine pretty crazy because, like, in Star Wars, I feel like you never see blood. 
So I, was, I remember that being like really memorable. And then, but yeah, I, I kind of just skipped all the way to the point where they're like, oh yeah, Han's like, oh, mo- a whole lot of money? Yeah, let's go hop on the Death Star, which is total accident because they're like, that's a moon. They're like, that, that can't be a moon. Holy cow, it's a Death Star. It's a giant, it's a giant spaceship. This is crazy. And so, you know, they show up in there and running around that, it's just like, how big is this thing? Like, it, it's almost like unfathomable, honestly. Because, like, if, for people who don't know, the Death Star is manned by like 1.3 million people on like Star Wars Wiki. That's ridiculous. That's, that's like, that's like a mini city. <laughs> but, um, yeah, when they were in the uh, R2D2, super clutch, saved them a ton, trash compactor, all that good stuff. And I think. One thing I don't like is I think they could have better explained when Ben Kenobi gets quote unquote killed by Darth Vader, he's not actually well, he's dying, but it's not like Darth Vader necessarily beat him as much as he just finally hit the, the final evolution of going to the actual force. But I feel like that was really confusing the first time I watched it, and it took me a couple of years of research to really figure out what he was doing in that. And then yeah, in a weird way, I when I first watched the movie, I actually like left because I thought that was like the ending and then I was like no there's more and so I came back and uh yeah that ending with Luke they like go to the rebel base like and then I thought that was the ending too I was like oh they saved her no big deal like oh wait the Death Star is coming to blow up the planet and then they're like Han come help us he's like see ya I got my bag I'm out of here and it looks like all right whatever and then, like, just the amount of rebels that get killed, it's just like, God, the, the mortality rate to be a rebel starfighter or X-wing pilot, I should say. And, yeah, Luke flying through there. And, again, it's like he's just a rookie pilot, but yet he's superb at it. And um, Darth Vader's, like, chasing him. But I think the scene that really capitalized for me was when Luke's like, I can't do this. Like, I, And then you hear Ben Kenobi like, Use the force, Luke. And here, I, I'm trying to remember if it was da, 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 and then he shoots the thing. And then it's like, all oh, hoop is lost. And then Han Solo comes flying in that mother effort and shoots Darth Vader off, which invariably saves him, which is pretty crazy. And Luke nails that shot. And they're like, heroes. And I was just like, that is how you end a freaking movie right there. So that's definitely my initial thoughts on. Uh, New Hope. Uh, I was going to say, I forgot to mention the introduction of the lightsaber um, when oh, Ben Kenobi yeah. gives Luke Anakin's lightsaber, which then becomes the lightsaber in the prequels. And of course, for those that have seen it, the sequels as well. It's kind of like the Skywalker blade. Legacy. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like the chosen, chosen lightsaber. Yeah, way. essentially. So that was cool. Um, there's something else I was going to mention as well. That you were talking about right now, heroes, uh, the song, oh, blows them up. going to the force. God. Man, maybe I'll remember later, but I mean, I guess you kind of talked about probably your favorite scene, but like, who's your favorite character in that movie? When I first watched it, Luke, just because I was like, I respected that he was so brave. But now it's Han Solo, man. This dude's a baller, bro. How can he, like, moral wise, 
it takes him a long time to get there. And I think maybe I like him now more because I've seen what they did with his character. Like the only damn good they did with the Star Wars franchise in the later movies. But uh, Han's one of those guys that it's like, he is a good guy. He just doesn't want to be. And it's awesome to see when those guys decide to do the right thing. Plus him flying in to save Luke. And, you know, later on in the films, like, dude, Han Solo kind of steals the show in a way. Like, if it really wasn't all about Luke and the Skywalker clan, they could rename those Solos or whatever you want to call them. Yeah, so. for sure. Oh, I remember what I was going to say was um, it's funny as you mentioned the whole, like, some of the confusing parts of it that I feel like Lucas kind of retconned a little bit in the new movies. That's just because, like, he just came up with this idea and with help, of course, in, 19, in the 70s and then was like, oh yeah let's just go with this and let's go with this and then like eventually like oh i'm gonna come back and here's how it started and it's like shit like that's why this is this and that so i think that's that was what i was gonna mention it's funny because it's so it's such a cool movie in general and then like the stuff that it inadvertently created too was like so cool I think, too, it's like most franchises now that, you know, do four, five, six, whatever movies, it's like they're so well planned out and, like, very articulate in just the plan. Like, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars is the anti-Lord of the Rings in the sense of planning things and explaining things, you know? Jared Tolkien has that stuff down to a T. Like, there's not a lot of confusion. If you are confused, just read the actual book and he'll explain it. Lord of the Rings, bro, the more and more I learned, it's like like Eddie just said, George Lucas was making this stuff as he went, almost day by day, it sounds like some scenarios, which we'll talk talk about more in episode six because there's the iconic issue that comes up in that. Uh, what about you, Eddie? Who's your favorite character? I think it had to be Luke. It just He was just so much fun. I think he was the classic, like, grown-up teenage hero, basically, which I guess he was supposed to be 20 years old, but... You know what I mean? The young oh. hero, yeah. This was supposed to take place 20 years after Revenge of the Sith. But oh, yeah. I think he's just that classic young hero, you know. So, yeah, got to give it up to him. But, yeah, do you want to take on uh, episode five, Empire Strikes Back? Oh, I was going to ask your favorite scene, though. Oh, and, and New Hope? Yeah, New Hope, baby. Favorite scene. Yeah, uh, that's a good question. I don't know. I feel like... Um, when he gets the lightsaber in the beginning, it's probably one of my favorite scenes in that movie. Yeah. yeah, I think that's pretty solid. You know, I think, honestly, favorite, I mean, when they're going, they destroy the Death Star. But I think I really appreciate when everyone can ever use the Jedi mind tricks because I just think you're something that's so funny. It's like, you didn't see it. <laughs> I don't know. Always kind of doing it. Absolutely. Oh, actually, Empire. Wait, wait, there is one more thing. Just for those that, if you didn't know, this is my the first Star Wars movie I watched. My dad had me watch when I was a little kid before Revenge of the Sith came out. So I watched this, and then I watched Revenge of the Sith, and then I watched Attack of the Clones, and then I watched Phantom Menace. Um, And Empire Strikes Back too, and Return of the Jedi. So I watched them all basically out of order, but at least knew that when like Revenge of the Sith came out, I knew what was going to happen. Like I was like, yeah. Anakin's gonna become Darth Vader, like so it's one was, thing to know and Bryce. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I knew but, that, like, but then it happened. You're like, holy, sh-. yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. So, episode five, 
Star Wars, um, Empire Strikes Back. Obviously, excuse me. Well, the movie starts off with, um, excuse me, Luke's exploring or scouting like Hawk, which is this super snowy ice planet. And he gets attacked by this little bottomless snowman. And basically, you know, whatever, he gets himself out of the situation. And Han has to cut open the, the Ewok? Anton. Anton. Super gross. Even as a kid, was like, he has to cut this thing up. And they have to sleep inside the belly of this thing until they get found. And you're just like, what the hell is going on in this movie, man, for a Star Wars film? But Empire Straight Back is basically the Empire's counteroffensive because they are beyond pissed off that they blew up the Death Star <laughs> and a whole bunch of other stuff. So, yeah, basically they attack Hoth. Awesome. You could just see AT-ATs attacking these things and like rebels are getting bodied and Darth Vader shows up and he's bodying people and um you know Han and Leia are you know starting to form a relationship but man it's real hot and cold we'll say but yeah everyone kind of goes their own way Leia was supposed to go somewhere else but she ended up having to go with Han and basically Luke ends up uh looking to get trained as an as a proper like Jedi Knight he's probably a Padawan level guy if that really and so he ends up going to Dagobah uh, Dagobah and ends up finding Yoda and like training with Yoda and honestly Yoda comes off as a pretty big dick in my opinion cause like, cause like basically Luke finds out that like Han and Leia are in trouble in Sky City and he's like you shouldn't go like, like fuck your friends attach with that yeah that's summing up a lot of things he says. But, yeah. And looks like, what the hell? And, yeah. It <laughs> doesn't go through with that. And then, like, Han and Leia, they're, they're basically, like, kind of floating around. They're just like, we have nowhere to go. Like, he's like, oh, I know a guy named Lando Calrissian. And they go to the Sky City, which is a super dope city that is floating in the sky. Eddie? I was going to say, uh, is it Billy, Billy D. William, man? The GOAT. Lando Calrissian. Oh yeah. Yeah, big oh, fan. Yeah. Big fan. And so then he uh they end up in Sky City just to get betrayed by Lando, which is kind of shocking because he came off really charismatic. And I was just like, what? He's a big guy. And I remember thinking, like, because I'd seen the other one, I was like, oh, Han Solo is probably meeting Luke's Malaya's dad. Like this is weird. And they're shooting and shooting at him. It's like, how funny is this? Um but yeah, so basically you captured and you know, at this point, Jabba the Hutt wants um, Han Solo's head. So basically, they freeze him in this, like, carbonite. Carbonite. I thought he died. The, when I watched this, the kid was like, what the? No, Han Solo. And it's so sad. And it's like C-3PO's been dismantled. And it's just Chewie and Leia. But luckily, Lando comes and saves them. They're working on escaping. And a lot's going on at this time. Then Luke shows up. And long story short, he ends up fighting Darth Vader. And I'm not going to go over the iconic scene super hard, but long story short, you know, he finds Darth Vader, which I thought was weird too, because it was like, if I'm Darth Vader and my kids are out there, I, I didn't fully ever, I didn't really understand that part. But um, yeah, he's like, Luke, I am your father. And he's like, no. And then he chops his son's hand off and kicks him. And then he doesn't kick him. And then Luke jumps off this thing and ends up doing some pretty cool like 
he's like holding on for his dear life with just his legs and they end up saving him and flying away. And at the end, it's like he gets a new hand and they're like interacting the plan to go save Han. So I, you know, I don't know what necessarily makes, in my opinion, Empire Strike Back the it really fluctuates. I say Return of the Jedi and Empire Strike Back are tied for number one for me personally. Empire Strike Back's the ending, man. I couldn't imagine what it was what it would have been like to be a fan in 1980 and see Star Wars end like that. Like those three years would have been tough for me. Cause I'd just be like, bro, the good guys are got they have just gotten their shit kicked in. They have no new hope. The bad guys are winning. And I don't know what they're gonna do because Luke can't beat Darth Vader, and he never really did. But, um, but yeah, that, Eddie, your thoughts? Um, I remember watching this pretty much by myself on TV one day, and it freaked me out too when Han Solo got put in carbonite. I think in general, I was so used to like, I was used to even when you're fighting evil on TV shows, whatever I was I was watching, like there was still kind of a not darker tone and you kind of got that darker tone from this movie and it was like it kind of freaked me out a little bit I was like oh shit like to your point good guys the guys got scattered right the rebels literally scattered throughout the galaxy um and you know han gets taken luke loses his right hand uh the lightsaber gets lost until it's once again found later on um which we don't really know how but it is and so it's like, dude, shit's, you know, shit's not right. And I think it does a good job because, you know, when we think about like the MCU, like, yeah, there's still like a lot of darker fights or whatever, but it wasn't really until like Infinity War and, and um, it wasn't until uh, the Winter Soldier, I'd say first, and then Infinity War when it's like, yo, did the good guys just like lose? Like, <laughs> wait a minute. So I think it was a great moment where you get that right off the bat where it's like hey the good guys can lose it's possible yeah and i think what eddie and you know i agree with the sentiment is you know in movies where things matter you can't always have the good guys win because it makes the viewer too comfortable and it's unrealistic of what you know the good guys don't always win and fights like that are serious and people do die and so when you make movies or cinema where it depicts the good guys always winning and no one ever gets really hurt you know there's no lasting consequences it's like well where's the stakes what are they actually fighting for and i think that's what empire strike backs does the best it really does kind of like whoa the galaxy needs the rebels if they fail everybody fails luke loses his hand i mean luke's untouchable at this point nah man he's crippled like his like his dad to a certain degree at this point, you know, he, he has to get better. Leia has to be a better leader. Han, his cockiness finally caught up with him. And thank God, you know, his charm made him some really good friends that wanted to save him. But it's like, it, the good guys are in such a bad spot. The rebel fleet, they're floating in space because they have nowhere to go. Luke is like trying to figure out how he's going to get more training because he's just realized that he is not up there yet. And Han, Han has been humbled. Like, this is a guy, like, you get the very big notion that Han, he's just, he's been that guy that's always had a plan. He's always been able to escape things. And now he isn't. 
you know? So I think all of that really plays a big tone. And I think five probably does one of the best as a movie to set up what's going to happen in the sixth film. So that's kind of my other thoughts on. I was going to drop two things. First, I, I don't think, and I agree with you, like how did Darth Vader not know he had his two kids, right? But I don't think we got to fully appreciate that until we watched Revenge of the Sith when they were split up on purpose, hidden away kind of thing um, to be able to stop that. And the other thing too is one thing that people argue, and, and I don't even know what the answer is, like what's the time gap within episode five? Because you can't tell me that Luke spent like a weekend in Dagobah, right? And then what's the timeline between that and episode six? Because it's like time had to have passed. And yeah, obviously three years technically passed from when they filmed it. But time had to have passed because the Luke Skywalker in episode five versus Luke Skywalker in episode six, big difference. And I think it's almost the same difference when Anakin shows up in, in Revenge of the Sith where here are these guys that are now like, they're Jedis, absolutely, 100%. So just something yeah. I to bring up. I, you know, some of the things that I've heard, you know, he was in Dagobah. I don't know exact timeline, but I agree because he goes from, I wouldn't even say a Padawan level because he's not even using the lightsaber really in episode four. And he's at least Padawan level, if not better, you know, going against Darth Vader. And then it's like, yeah, you're right. He's a full-on Jedi master. Nah, he's a low-tier Jedi master <laughs> in my book. Um you know, in six, and it's like, there's no way he did that in under three years at least. Like, I, that's what I that's what I've always learned to Plus, I've always heard, like, people say that they didn't start building the Death Star until after um, five, which I don't know if that's true or not. I ran out on some fan fiction once, and I was like, dang. That must be a clear indication that, yeah. Hobbit yeah, no, that's a good point. A minute. Yeah, because it, it, they had to rebuild the Death Star, you're right. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's like, it, yes, it was only partially completed, but it's like, you think about, they had the plans. They, it roughly took them, what, 20 years to build the first one? Something like that. I mean, maybe not, but close enough. Uh, so, yeah, I like to think three years. I think that's reasonable if that, you know, they don't really change, like, in their appearance that much. And it makes sense that, you know, the Rebel fleet has been hiding, trying to build up some forces, refine everybody because they've been scattered. You know, so yeah, I think that's that's that would be my like synopsis on the time skip, but it's definitely there because I, I've had a conversation with one friend and he was like, "Yeah, it takes place right after," and I'm like, "Bro, there's no way Luke went from hero to hero like that." So, but yeah, um, favorite scene, favorite, the character, yeah, okay, favorite character. Ooh, I appreciate Han's character development. But yeah, I think of this. I think Luke, man, I feel for the guy, bro. That ending is brutal. You get, you figure out your dad's like the worst person in the universe, debatably, and like he cut off your hand and you had to like jump. It's just so bad. I feel bad for Luke. Like he's trying to do the right thing and he's getting shot on every single way. And then I think it's too easy to say, you know, Luke, I am your father and the best. You. I like the Battle of Hoth, man. Battle of Hoth is so cool. And yeah, that would be my uh, favorite scene. Uh, I would have to say, I think 
Darth Vader wasn't in it a whole lot, but I feel like he was up there as far as my favorite character in the movie. Because I feel like the fourth one, you get an idea of him being kind of evil, but this next one is like, you get that idea of like, yeah, this man's untouchable, basically. Um, And as far as scene goes, I think it has to be, looking back, it's hilarious. Okay, first off, Luke training with Yoda, funny. Like, just great. But like, when Han Solo walks up in in the dining room, and Darth Vader's on the other side. It's a little definitely it's kind of funny, awkward, knowing that like him and Leia end up together and like that's their that's her dad, like that's his father-in-law, basically. It's the only time they meet. Yeah, bro. And he shoots him right away. Funny stuff. So yeah. yeah. That Thanksgiving at their house is great. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah. episode six, Turn of the Jedi, basically starts off in once again, Tatooine at Jabba the Hutt's palace. Um, and, you know, right away, uh, you kind of got like, damn, bro, a lot of shit's changed. Um, pretty sure Leia sneaks in first. And then... As a bounty hunter. Yeah, as a bounty hunter. And she's trying to free them, trying to free Han. She fails, which I feel like was part of the plan. Maybe not. She fails. Luke shows up and he tries to negotiate for their release. And Jabba the Hutt feeds him with the Rancor. And without a lightsaber, Luke kills the Rancor, you know. And then they're going to get thrown in the Sarlacc pit. Um, and they end up fighting their way out of it with the help of Lando, who's hidden away as someone and Chewie. Um, so they escape. They kill Jabba the Hutt. Um, Luke ends up inadvertently, or no, Hanzo ends up inadvertently taking out Boba Fett, <laughs> throwing him in the Sarlacc pit. Uh, and so they get away. They're like, all right, like, time to get the rebellion back in order. Let's do this, basically. Um, Luke goes to see Yoda one more time. Yoda becomes one with the Force, tells him that you're not the only hope, which was his reference to being a Leia who could also be a Jedi, which I guess she did kind of become one sort of and then you know him trying to figure out what he's gonna do with Darth Vader they meet they all meet back up they're like man we gotta take out this new Death Star they go make up a plan for it they gather all the rebellion the entire rebellion or at least the majority of it they go fight on the moon of Endor and the other Death Star they split up Luke Han and Leia go down to Endor to take out the station that's protecting the Death Star while the rest of the fleet gets ready for Lando, who gets to fly the Millennium Falcon for the battle. They, after some back and forth on Endor, end up disabling the shield. And it was ends up being a trap, of course, the iconic line from Admiral Akbar. It's a trap. You know, the Empire wanted the rebellion to come fight them because it was a it was operational, the Death Star, and they end up fighting. They sneak in though, because of course good guys gotta win, blow up the new Death Star, and then Luke got taken up to the Death Star by Darth Vader. He surrenders himself and he fights Darth Vader for a while and ends up choosing not to kill him. He actually does defeat Darth Vader. He does. And then chooses not to kill him, throws away his lightsaber. Palpatine, you know, attacks him and Darth Vader switches back, throws Palpatine down the giant well and um he blows up but doesn't die, apparently. And then uh, they escape, and they get the victory celebration. You get to see Yoda, uh, Ben Kenobi, and 
Anakin Skywalker all together as Force Ghosts, which if you watch the new edited version, it's actually Hayden Christensen and not the OG Anakin. Um, so yeah, kind of movie. Yeah, oh, man. And, they, and so, they did it with the help of the Ewoks, of course. Can't can't count out the uh, lovable little bears. And those fuckers are dangerous. They are. They are. <laughs> um. Yeah, dude. So episode six came out in '83. Um. You know, I I think the beginning, Java just really freaked me out as a kid. Like the slug thing, just really. Ugh, I can't say I love that whole sequence. And I thought it was weird how the, there was like. Luke is like, I don't like how he's like, oh, I'll let them capture me and then I'll let them try to kill me. And if they try to kill me, I'll kill them. Like, I think that's just so, I don't know. I, I, I can't say it's a for sure theme, but it's like it happens twice in the same movie. So I'm just like, what, what is this pacifism BS, bro? Because it's not really doing well for you. Um. Yeah, I wish I could have seen a little more Han Solo in the movie, but <laughs> I guess excuting forward, you know, they, you know, they figure out they have to go to Endor to, you know, kill the shield that covers the um, Death Star, and it's like from like a military strategy point, the lack of people that that planet would be covered, bro, with people, and that's the only thing protecting our most valuable asset in the galaxy that already got destroyed once. Yeah, that. They have like a company size level. They have like a hundred dudes on that thing. It's ridiculous, and it's like luckily they call for reinforcements, but not enough. Freaking Ewoks, man. Whatever. Um, the Battle Indoor is cool, um, but I actually don't like watching it just because I I kind of tear up a little bit whenever I see the Ewoks getting killed. But that, I don't know, man. It's just they're so cute, and it's like God, dickheads, man, killing these little teddy bear things. I don't know. I'll say it is sad because I remember I remember specifically one scene where the ATST like is shooting in the forest and yeah, one of the Ewoks homies gets blown up and he's like shaking him. Yeah, he's like yeah, he's shaking him. Yeah, dude. Hit me right in the heart, bro. I'm just like, little guy. Oh man, yeah. I I'm a softie in some areas, so but Luke's Bowers Darth Vader, pretty dope. I think I think the reason. I don't give Luke enough credit. I'll say that. But I think the reason I take away from that fight is because it seemed like Darth Vader lost because he fell. And he, like, cuts the stairwell, and I don't know. I think Darth Vader, he, you know, you learn, you can learn later on that the suit really constricts him. It's it's the, literally the worst possible suit you could get. Like, when you learn, like, further in the lore, it's like, Palpatine gave him that suit to like torture him and blah 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 this blah blah. He could have got like an actual good suit. He would have killed everybody like real freaking quick. For what it's worth, he did kill a lot of people though. He did kill a lot of people. He did kill a lot of people, but he could could have killed a lot more. Um, but yeah, yeah. Throwing the Emperor, I think it's crazy how he's like. I thought it was kind of lame how long he was letting his son get electrocuted. How he's like, Dad, help! This goes on for a little bit too long than I would like, but everybody's like, finally, oh, I've killed all these people. Why might as well? I don't know what necessarily changes him. I mean, I get it's his son, but it's like he killed Padme and he's, he's killed so many other. I just don't go. I'll, I'll jump in. I think it might be, and I could be wrong. People can argue about, you know, they can say I'm wrong, whatever. My 
personal perspective on it was that Anakin didn't join the dark side for the same reasons that I think a lot of previous um, Siths did. He joined it to save someone and because he felt that was his best chance because he was so afraid of losing them. So now in a way, again, I think you appreciate the scene more when you watch Revenge of the Sith or maybe vice versa. He loses Padme. This time he has a chance to rewrite history and actually save the person that he wanted to, that's his family. And so he does, I think is the big thing. Because again, I mean, Sidious was a Sith because all that power and control and, and being that guy. Versus Darth Vader's a Sith because he wanted to save someone and he went to the dark side basically. So that makes that's a my lot view of sense. on it. That's my view on it. But oh, that makes a lot of sense. But yeah, he throws him down in there, and then you get the good old face reveal, and you're like, "Holy cow, this dude's so torn up." If you haven't seen the other movies, you're like, "What happened to this guy?" Only to find he's been burned alive. Yeah, whatever. But I thought it was interesting how the movie ends like really abruptly. Like they get out. And then they have the celebration, and it's like, oh, the galaxy's free. No. I mean, I think that's a notion you could maybe get if that's what you see. But then it's like, I don't consider anything after really canon, but how they depict things in 7, 8, and 9, it's like, it didn't really get much better. Luke, it's, I hate that it's like knowing what they said happened after the movie really kind of ruins some things for me. But the ending, I mean, the ending's cool. They have fireworks, and they're like, oh, the Death Star's blah, blah, blah. And, you know, um, like Eddie said, I, I watched the OG versions where it had that random guy. I was glad they added Hayden Christensen to the newer version. But, yeah, I mean, then it's cool. I thought it was a little weird how it was like, oh, yeah, it's all good, Darth Vader. We're going to be a proper Jedi burial. For people who don't know, when a Jedi dies, they they uh, put their dead body on a stack of logs and burn them. Um so I, I don't know. I thought that was interesting that it was like, it, see, it came off as it's all good. And he was just chilling with Yoda and Mikado. He's like, yeah, we're just going to let it go that you kind of ended the Jedi Order like 20 years ago and killed all those younglings. Like, yeah, you're, you're still at the Force on the good side of the Force. Okay, whatever. But yeah, I mean, I, Star Wars is interesting because I think I watched an interview with Freddie Prince Jr., who, if people don't know, is the dude that played Fred in the Scooby Doo movies. But He's a Star Wars fanatic guy, and he talks a lot about it. And he is like, any Star Wars movie you watch, just know whoever is on top won't be at the end of that movie. Because he said that, like, his interpretation of it is, like, the Force is about being neutral and being balanced, you know? And so he's like, if you watch one, two, and three, like, the Jedi have too much power, and so it only makes sense that the Sith balance it out which is why in four, five, and six, you see the Sith have too much power and you balance it out. And then, you know, and that's all he considers canon as well. So um, besides like some of the other better movies, but yeah, I mean, I, I think Star Wars is about balance and I think six, six movie ends really well in kind of that theme in a way, I think for the most part. And I think what makes it hard is whenever we get into seven, eight, and nine, you know, I think we've talked very positively in, episode, in part one, the first three movies, for the most part, overall positively. 
and I you know this one I think everything's been positive but you won't get that notion with me come seven eight nine you're gonna see a different side of Star Wars when it comes to me Eddie you'll see the dark side over there yeah yeah um no man I think six was a great time I think it it balanced see Star Wars the original A New Hope was more on the lighthearted side of course then Empire Strikes Back, definitely on the opposite side. But I feel like Revenge, or not Revenge, Return of the Jedi does a great job of like balancing the two, where there's obviously very high stakes. But the, the good guys aren't completely winning, but they're doing their best to fight back, right? You're back together. Now, the dark side, too, you're like, oh, shit, it's a bigger Death Star this time. Like, the, the stakes are set. There's a lot more balance going on. Like, there is still a darker notion to it, but it's not as dark as like Empire Strikes Back. So I think does a good job of balancing that vibe. All right. Well, favorite character of episode six, when that comes full circle. I think Han Solo takes a cake, dude. And maybe a little bit of Princess Leia as well. And I got to give a little credit to the, the underrated, two underrated characters. First, Wedge and Tilly's, who survived both runs on the Death Star. Only character to do that in Star Wars. And Nia Nia, the guy that's uh, co-pilots with Lando Calrissian. Bro. Because <laughs> it's just comedy, bro. They're victory. Because you don't know what the, he's saying, but like Lando is responding back and it's just awesome. Um, and then I think Han and Leia, because when she gets shot and they're about to get like captured and he's like standing over her and they're like, oh, put your hands up. And like, she just shows them like, he, she's got a piece on her still. And Han's like, I love you. And he turns around and like she shoots. Yeah, it's just great. Got a lot of great chemistry between a lot of characters. So, yeah. Yeah. For me, I got to give some special nominations. My dude, R2D2. I think, I just imagine R2D2 is like that dude that's like, he just cusses throughout the entire movie, but it comes people, people. I don't know. Uh, shout out to Chewy, another guy that really can't say much, but you know, you can kind of get a notion of what he's saying. He's always a great character in there. The Ewoks, they're just too damn adorable not to. But I probably gotta go Han Solo, Han Solo too. He comes full circle for me. He comes from this guy that didn't care about anything, it was all about himself, to he's fighting for this cause that he like, you know, at least in six, you believe he really believes in. Um moving forward, least favorite character throughout the original three. Is there anybody that's just like, God, I can't stand this dude? I don't think so. That's Dude, crazy. The Emperor, bro. So. The Emperor oh, yeah. Dick. I mean, yeah. Screw him. I Sorry, I was thinking about generally. Uh, yeah, um, I'll go the Emperor. All right. Favorite scene? So the, this movie or the entire trilogy? Well, we'll do both. We'll do this movie and the entire series. All right. Favorite scene in Return of the Jedi, I think, is It's a Trap. Just because it's <laughs> such a great meme, dude. I love it. But the lead up to it, though, I was sorry, sorry. The lead up to it, though, is important because it's like they're coming up on the Death Star, and then like Lando's like, wait a minute, this is not right. And then it was like they show up, and then it's trapped. So, yeah, I think it was cool, like lead up to the big battle. So, um, that's a tough one. I would say that whole sequence of the, the actual battle at the end of six because they're like getting decimated out there you know rebel ships are getting blown but that one a a a10 a1 uh a wing a wing pilot flies into the bridge of like the executive ship turns the fight that around thing, that thing 
He hits one thing, and that entire shit feels just like this badass nosedive into the Death Star. It looks like a freaking nuke just went off. And, dude, it's just crazy how it's just everything. I'm just like, whoa, that was insane. Uh, favorite all-time scene throughout the entire series? I think it has to be Luke's Death Star run. When, yeah, when, like he said, he's like, oh, he's got the targeting computer on. And he's like, yeah, I don't know, man. It's going to be one hell of a shot. And, like, yeah, you hear Obi-Wan Kenobi be like, oh, use the Force, Luke. And he turns off his targeting computer and, like, what's yeah. wrong? He's like, oh, I'm all good. And then he takes a shot, gets saved by Han Solo. I think it's just such a cool scene. Dude, I think I have a big thing with music and cinema. I think the there are times in a film when something's about to go down. If you play the right music to it, there's just something about it that gets me. You know, I think Star Wars, Pirates of the Caribbean, Lord of the Rings, they're all so keen on that. And Star Wars in this scene, it's just like you hear the do, 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 do. It's just like, oh man, he's about to do something heroic or die tried. It's one or the other. Um, but yeah, it's just too iconic, man. And then Han coming in to save him. It's just so unexpected for his character. Yeah. But so the last final question, and I've heard this go round and round, was the Empire actually evil? Now, yeah, you go first. Eddie. Go ahead. Go first. I, I think, like, it wasn't because it actually did establish some manner of peace, in my opinion. Especially, like, when you watch, like, Bad Batch or other, like, you get a lot more of the, that to it. There definitely was a, now there's a firm presence of something out there. But, like, at the same time, I think it's also a cheap piece because with the Republic, at least, like, they had independent, you know what I mean? Like, everyone had a voice. And now the Empire, there was a figurehead council Republic, and it was really just an empire behind Palpatine. And so I think in some ways they were okay, but the way that, yeah, I think the, the people being at the head being evil is kind of like, nah, not good. Yeah. I think it's tough because I think that the Empire wasn't like same government, same military, but didn't have horrible people. I think it would have been the best thing because Star Wars is, you, you know, like there's a lot of unregulated bad things that happen in Star Wars. And a lot of it comes because there's nobody to stop it besides two Jedi. Like, come on, you need a absolutely stupid big military like the Empire in a sense to keep some sort of lawless to keep it from being a completely lawless, like, solar system, you know? And it's like, then, you know, this is going a little off of technical canon, but the Yuuzhan Vong, the more you read about them and how they can just body a Jedi because they're not connected to the Force and lightsabers don't hurt them, it's like, hell yeah, they need the Empire. They're going to need everybody to kill these guys. So I think the Empire, like the Sith, strays from bad leadership and a misuse of ideology but that would be my take i, I think i think That's had true. the use on come in had they made seven eight nine about the use on bog coming in i think you would see you would have a very different notion on the empire because there's no way the rebel alliance or the jedi order 
even most of the most part, the Sith Order could fight the Yuuzhan Vong. Like that, they're so powerful. You literally need like a a full on alliance to fight them. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, for those that don't know, just I mean, just look it up. It's not it's not canon technically, right? It's uh, I've heard I've heard a lot of mixed things on. I want to say no, but I have heard some mixed things because like Thrawn, he he's canon and he fights Yuuzhan Vong, and I've heard his fights are canon, but. Interesting. Interesting. What I, I what look I that myself. Um, the other thing I was going to say about these movies is, you know, as I'm thinking back to the Death Star run, seeing the, the Y-Wings and the A-Wing and X-Wing fighters all going at it, I think it was so cool thinking, like, how well it's kind of held up in a lot of ways from uh, a visual effects thing perspective. I think it's held up really well, to be honest. I mean, their use of practical effects um, at the time, I think, went really well. Um, they did a lot of good things. And that's just something I want to kind of add on to the original trilogy. Because, like, I feel like another thing to hate, not hate on, but, like, one thing that I don't think they did as well in the original or the prequels is their use of CGI was, like, I mean, insane. They use so much CGI. And I get it. Like, it's something that you can use. But I feel like, so I think one of the, the things that the sequel trilogy did right is they did their best to use as much practical effects as possible. And I feel like it gave me a lot more of the original trilogy vibes than like, I don't know. It's just one of those things that I think for me personally, I really love about the original trilogy that they had to use as much practical effects as possible and it made everything seem more real. I agree with you completely. The only thing I will say is I think CGI, the jump from CGI back in 2003, I think when it was like really first used in Lord of the Rings, what the call um, around that. And I, I know, but that's when it first became kind of acceptable, I would say. To what it was in 2017, I feel like they, like CGI is pretty crazy now. Yeah, pretty crazy right yeah. now. I'm not. I'm not taking anything away from the practical effects. I just think you know, if you had made one, two, and three now, I think quality wise, people would talk about them a little differently. So that's fair. Possibly, absolutely. Well, any closing thoughts? On hey man, this? this is the OG dude. This is the one that started it all. So I yeah. Have a lot of- Give a lot of weight to these three movies, for yeah, sure. Good movies. Any age can watch them. They're not, they're not really not that scary. Like, you know, there's some Star Wars stuff. Now, that's a different conversation. But uh, these are, I think they're really cool, kid-friendly, good for all ages, good for all people. I mean, there's a lot of good lessons and stories in Star Wars. And, yeah, I don't think you can really go wrong with it. But Absolutely. So, Thank you, everyone, for listening. This was just part two of our Star Wars series. Um, We should have most likely two more parts uh, come out eventually. And, you know, maybe Daniel will be there, hopefully, or other guests, too. So see how that goes. Um, Thank you so much for listening in. If you haven't yet already, please do follow us on Instagram at thebums underscore bu underscore ms. And our website is also up, so go ahead and give that a look. Um, You can learn a little more about us. And, uh, yeah, this has been Struggling with the Bums. Have a good one.